This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, guess what's happening at Right From The Deep? As always, thank you to our patrons on Patreon. You help make this podcast possible. Indeed, we are thankful for you. And you guys can find out more about that at patreon.com slash right from the deep. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And also a big thank you to our November sponsor of the month, Tammy Partlow. She is a speaker at Women's Retreats and her first novel, Blood Beneath the Pines, which has a great title, by the way, is a suspense set in the deep south and it's now available. She is also hard at work at the next book of the series. And you can find out more about Tammy and her book at her website, TammyPartlow.com. That's T-A-M-M-Y-P-A-R-T-L-O-W.com. Thank you, Tammy. And it's my turn to share a wonder. Don and I were at the orthopedist uh, day before yesterday, I think, because he needs a knee replacement and his mm-hmm. other knee went out on him. So he was thinking he needed two knee replacements. Well, it turns out that he still just needs the one. But here's the thing that was wondrous to me. We saw the x-rays on both of his knees. Now, to say that Don's x-ray on his bad knee was disturbing is an understatement. It was pretty ugly. And we looked at that, and and I would have thought looking at that, there was no way to fix it. It was pretty awful. But the the orthopedic surgeon just sat there and told us, okay, this is what we'll do, and this is what we'll do, and it will take care of this, and this will be your recovery time. And I just sat there amazed at what people are able to do in medicine, at the skill and the knowledge and the wonder of the tools and the machinery that they can use. They're going to give him a bionic knee. I mean, it's going to (laughs) be amazing. And I understand that these things usually only last 15 to 20 years, but 15 to 20 years without pain is going to be wonderful. So I'm so grateful to God for how he has helped with medical advancements and how they can take something that looks like it's just completely unfixable and fix it. Mm. And now here's here's the the show. Welcome, listeners. We are excited to have you here with us in the deep. So with the busyness our culture and our lives bring us each day, we have a multitude of things vying for our attention. And it's not just for any given moment. It's also any given season in our lives. We have these urgent demands and expectations, and they just badger us. They just on and on. This can create a problem that we might not even be aware of as it's happening. We lose focus. We get sidetracked from what we actually wanted to be doing. And this happens on both a large scale, sort of a life level scale, and on a small moment by moment scale. So how do we know what our focus needs to be on? How do we know what should get our time and attention and what shouldn't? That's the question we want to help you answer. So we're going to talk today about exactly that, about focus, what it is, how we achieve it, and how we can maintain it. Now, that's a big topic, so we'll cover it in a series of episodes. But let's start right now by defining focus. 
our good old pal Miriam Webster says that it's a center of activity, attraction, or attention. A center, it's the center. It's a point of concentration. You know how with a laser you can bring it into a very fine focus. It's the point of that concentration. And the second definition is that it's a directed attention. An article on James Clear's website, and we talked about him when we talked about habits. If you want to go back, I'll link to that in the show notes. But what he has on his website is an article about focus. And what he says is that experts define focus as the act of concentrating your interest or activity on something. And what I love about that definition is the idea of concentrating. And Webster mentioned that as well, right? But how do we do that? So James Clear goes on to say, in order to concentrate on one thing, you must, by default, ignore many other things. Focus can only occur when we have said yes to one option and no to all other options. And he also says, in the present moment, focus requires that you only do one thing. I don't know about you guys, but that just flat out gives me chills, only <laughs> doing one thing. I used to pride myself on being able to, to multitask until I learned that multitasking is not a good idea. It actually kills brain cells. Yeah. So tuning other things out is crucial to being able to focus. This is true both on a large scale and on a small scale. We're going to cover both of those aspects, but for this episode, we'll concentrate on large scale focus. So on a large scale, for example, you might have trouble focusing on your writing career or on the book you're currently trying to write. If you have a day job that demands you to put in lots of overtime, that makes it even more difficult. Not only do you have more things to focus on, but you get so fatigued trying to center your attention on your writing. Right. And maybe also you have children or grandchildren at home who keep wanting stuff from you, <laughs> like dinner, I don't know, a diaper change, help with homework or a ride somewhere, or even maybe just a listening ear. And that's a lot to deal with. Or maybe you've always wanted to go back to school yourself to finish a degree or get a postgraduate degree. Or, you know, maybe you really love being a Bible study leader at church and they want you to do more classes. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of these things in and of themselves. Please don't hear us saying, don't ever take this on. But if you try to do them all in the same season of your life, you've got a recipe for disaster. There are too many large-scale objectives competing for your time, attention, and energy. And my friends, you will end up burned out and stressed, and more often than not, feeling like a failure. It's not because you're a terrible person. It's because you've given yourself an impossible mission. Yeah, you've got to make some choices if you want to be able to focus on writing because, you know, the key is focus, concentration, <laughs> directed attention. And that's necessary in order to work to the best of your ability. Sure, guys, you can work poorly without focus. You really can. We all do, I'm sure. But you can't work at your best level. And again, please don't hear us saying that you can't be, like, say, a good mom and a good writer or that you can't have a demanding day job and still be a writer or whatever. What we're saying is that you're limited in time and energy. So in reality, the first step in achieving focus on a large scale is deciding how many large scale things you realistically can manage and which ones those will be. 
When it comes to writing, you have to decide whether writing that book or having some sort of writing career is, in fact, a goal right now. Is it realistic for you? Whether it's something you want to commit time and energy to, because that's most likely going to come at the expense of something else. You can't take from one thing and put it into another without what you've taken it from suffering. So to say yes to one thing means you have to say no to other things. I want you all to stop whatever you're doing right now. Just stop. Well, okay, if you're on the freeway, don't stop. But whatever you're doing right now, (laughs) just focus on my voice for a minute and listen to me. No. You can say it. You can do it. Say it with me. No. (laughs) Now make a list of things you're already committed to or that you want to commit to. It might help your list to be more thorough if you go through the various roles you play in your life. For example, maybe you're a school teacher, a mom, a homeowner, a leader in your neighborhood association board, and a wife. Right. So once you've listed out your various roles, your various commitments, the things you want to commit to, those things... Go back, though, and then ask yourself, how do I feel about those roles? Which are important to you? Which are the most important to you? What are the commitments that are going to be involved in each role? And how much time and energy are they going to take? And you've really got to dig into these questions. And one of the things that will help you do that is to consider your values. Now, your values are just what that sounds like, the things you value. But it's it's the things that you believe are important in life, in the way you work, in the way you live, and personally, I think even in the way you play or recreate. So what are some examples of values? Well, we all know generosity, compassion, creativity, courage, discipline, justice, joy, teamwork, connection, vision. There are so many things. But you have to know what your particular values are, because what you do with your time and how you do it, that needs to align with what you value, because that's the only way you're going to experience satisfaction in all of this. If your values and where you're focusing your time conflict, you've set yourself up for frustration and discontent. And those are two damaging elements that can come into our lives. And you don't want to do that. As Christians, it's important that our values also align with what the Bible teaches. Of course, the Bible is, in essence, God's user manual for our lives. We've said that before. We'll say it again. When we put the the scripture at the center of our focus, we can move forward with confidence. If we try to go against it, we're setting ourselves up for, yes, indeed, frustration and discontent. Right. Now, we found some good resources about values on the internet, and we'll link to those in the show notes. And one of them is a worksheet that gives you a short list of values, and it has some great questions to ponder to help you make decisions based on your values. And another one of those links has a more exhaustive list of values that you can look at. It's nice to have a list of these values, different values, so that you can have your thinking stimulated. It's it's good to have a list of something like that. Another way that can help you define your personal values is to think about three different types of experiences in your life. Three experiences that were profound or had an impact It's best to consider examples from both your personal life and your career. This method comes from another article on the internet, which we'll link to in the show notes. So think about the times you were happiest in your life. First, think about the times you were happiest in your life. What were you doing? Who were you with, if anyone? And why were you so happy? What factors influenced your (laughs) happiness? 
And then the second thing to think about is the times you felt most proud. We're not talking about arrogance here, but we're talking about pleasure and accomplishment of feeling like you've done your best or feeling like these are the type of good works well done that God planned for us. Like it says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, the, the, the works that God planned in advance for us. So when you think about those times that you felt proud, why did you feel proud? What people shared your pride? Was anyone there? Was, was anyone sharing that with you? Or were there other factors that influenced your feelings of pride? And what were those factors? Okay. And next, think about times you felt most fulfilled or satisfied. That's different than feeling proud. That's simply having that sense that you've done your best and that you know that what you just focused on, what you just spent your time with, matters to you and to God. So identify what need or desire was fulfilled by that event. Be specific. Did this experience help give your life meaning? If so, how? Were there other factors that contributed to your feelings of satisfaction? Write them down. What were they? Right. And the goal in all this Remember, is we're trying to identify the things that are truly important to you, the things that you value. So think about all of those experiences you've had and identify the values that they represent. And you can use one of those lists of values that we linked to to help you. And again, remember that typically when you're feeling that deep joy and fulfillment and feeling of godly accomplishment, you're probably doing something that aligns closely with your values. And that's good. We want to identify that so we can do more. Now, some of you may be feeling like this whole idea of sitting down and going through these is overwhelming. But any of you who write fiction, you may already have a step up on this because you have to think about values where your characters are concerned. You have to know what they value or what they think is important in life. You have to know whether they are choosing a career based on a value, if they've chosen a career that goes against a value and that brings in the big C conflict. How is that shown by what they do? Maybe your character chooses a career path that provides a high steady income and yet leaves them feeling empty. Of course, in fiction, it's always more interesting if your characters have values that bring conflict. What if your character values freedom but also values love? What if she has to decide between going on the road in her RV or becoming a wife to the man she's fallen in love with? There are so many places where that brings in conflict. But even with our characters, they have to choose. They have to decide which matters most. Right. And y'all know, as fiction goes, real life can go too. So, of course, when we're thinking about our values, we're going to have values that conflict. We're going to have to make choices. You'll find, you know, just like that imaginary character, you have to rank which values are most important to you. And it might help to ask yourself, if I could satisfy only one of these values, which would I choose? And I know that's awful. I know it doesn't feel fair. But remember that achieving focus on a large scale means deciding not just how many large scale commitments you can manage, but which ones those will be. And most of us guys, here's the reality. We can't do everything that we want to in this life. 
I know, and that's a sad fact. I have the cheerleader syndrome where I don't like to be left out of anything. And over the course of my life, especially my professional life, that has led me to being overscheduled and overcommitted. And that is never a good thing for a creative. It just isn't. So you have to realize it's easy to get sucked in commitments that aren't our passion. If you're like I am and you just want to be involved and have fun and be part of the creative process, you have to make decisions based on what you value most, not what is shiny and coming past you in that moment. I mean, what if you're putting in a lot of extra hours at work because that's the culture in your particular job, but those extra hours put you in line for promotion to a job that's less creative than your current job? You may not even want that job, but you just drift into it without stopping to think about why you're working all that overtime and whether you actually want it. Right. And, you know, when you start to think about those values, then maybe you realize, hey, I'm working those long hours and following that work culture because community is something I value. Okay, guys, there's nothing wrong with that at all, unless it turns out that creativity is something you value more than community. And now you have insight into what you've been doing and why, and you can make an informed choice about whether you really do want to keep putting in that overtime. So that example is simple, right? And we're not saying that all writers do or should value creativity most of all or anything like that. These are complicated issues and they're hard decisions. James Clear in his article says most people don't have trouble with focusing. They have trouble with deciding. Yeah, I see that all the time. But making those decisions, it's one of the best things that you can do. Because your decision becomes permission. Making a decision means you've given yourself permission to take the time to write, for example. You've given yourself permission to say no to everything else that will take away from that writing time and do just that one thing. Yes, focus on just that one thing. You can say no to the request to be on your neighborhood's welcome wagon committee or whatever is of a lesser value to you. That's how you foster focus on a large scale. We encourage you to make decisions like this prayerfully, of course, and look at the way God has made you. You probably won't get neon signs or a pristine career plan all laid out for you. If you do, let us know. We're going to feature you on the show. (laughs) But you will sense God's direction if you're seeking him. He's not trying to make you guess. We've done two previous podcast episodes specifically on hearing God if you're looking for more help. We have a link in the show notes. They're episodes 110 and 111. And keep in mind, too, that God has given us all the gift of creativity in some way, shape, or form because we're made in His image. Writing is a great way for us to live in to that act of creating with God. So even if you haven't heard like a directive from God that says, Thou shalt write, you know, there isn't anything wrong with still making the decision to have writing be part of your life because you value it, unless God is telling you not to do that. And and he might, in fact, tell you not to do that. And for more about that specific question, did God really ask you to write? We do have a special audio recording on our Patreon page called, Did God Really Ask You to Write? And we'll have a link to that in the show notes just for more help for anybody who wants that. But do bear in mind that you have to be a patron for at least one month to get access to that. So bottom line, don't be afraid if it's where you feel God is leading you to stop writing or even to cut back. Sure, we're talking about focusing, 
But if you get the sense that God is telling you that focus needs to be elsewhere, far better to follow God than anything else. We've interviewed several writers who felt God leading them in exactly that direction, out of writing and into a different ministry. We'll link to those episodes in the show notes. It's also crucial to periodically reevaluate our decisions. Know when you make a decision, it's not one and done. I'm sorry. I know that's disappointing. But that's another way we maintain focus on the things that are important to us. We have to make sure those things are still important. If you start feeling that sense of discontent and as though you're not really where you need to be, set aside time, maybe quarterly or semi-annually or whatever works for you, to check in with yourself, to check in with God and see if what you're doing still makes sense. If your passion is still there, if your values are still the same and go along with what you want to put your time on, then continue as you were. But if not, you can change things over time. I mean, life is fluid. Right. And in your evaluation, ask yourself if you were realistic about the time and energy involved in the commitments that you already made, you know, so go back and reevaluate. How did it go? Check in with your family, check in with your boss or, you know, whoever is important to you as well, because they might have a differing opinion about how well you kept up with your responsibilities. So it's good to check in and then ask yourself, Can I take on something new or can I expand one of my roles or does something have to be cut back or dropped altogether? So bottom line, the most basic and simple way we can develop focus on a larger scale, on a life-size scale, is to make decisions based on our values about what will and won't be part of our life. What we will and won't focus on, knowing our values, helps us know why we're doing what we're doing and helps us be sure we're focusing on what matters most. And knowing scripture and spending time with the Lord and submitting all of this to him in prayer makes sure that our most important values in following him and doing as he's calling us is continued and maintained. So in the next episode of our focus series, we'll talk about developing focus specifically within your writing career. Why not between now and then sit down and consider what your values are? Make a list and submit them to God. Go to him prayerfully and ask him, where does he want you to focus? And then the next time, we'll dig in to your career. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. (laughs) 